Hi, everybody. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined as always by my trusted colleague Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And Wes, in our first show back from our little hiatus earlier this week, we covered a lot of the old news, everything that uh, we had to catch up on from the offseason. But here, right away, show number two. Breaking news. Breaking news. Fresh news to talk about. And what I am talking about is the 2019 Packers schedule. It dropped on Wednesday night. League-wide, everybody found out all of the whens, uh, having known all of the what's and the where's since uh, January. But uh, the 2019 schedule is out. There's a, There are some unique elements to the way this lays out for the Packers for the coming season for Matt LaFleur's first season as a head coach. Where do you want to start with this? Well, let's start at the start, Michael. All right. uh, the Green Bay Packers will travel to start the 100th season of the NFL against the Chicago Bears. But right after that matchup, come back to Lambeau Field for three straight home games. And as it works out, five of their first seven will be played at Lambeau Field. Two back-to-back -back games against the NFC North to kick things off. And it's really interesting. You talked about the unique intricacies of this this whole schedule. Two to start against the division, three to end against the division. You have to beat your division teams yeah. to be able to succeed. The Packers, it's going to play into getting off to a fast start, and it's going to play into finishing strong. And I think ultimately that's what the NFL wanted to go for when they made some of the changes that they did with the schedule a number, number of years ago. But it is quite coincidental to see so many NFC North matchups fall right at the beginning and right at the end. Yeah, the bookends to this uh, schedule are what jump out at me. You only have six division games. Your division games make up roughly 40% of your schedule, six out of 16. Right. But for the Packers here, you start with two and you end with three. That's five of your six division games that are at the the polar opposites. You know, at at the uh, the beginning and the end. I just think that's a really unique alignment. Now, the Packers had something similar to this in 2016. It wasn't quite the same. The ending was the same with three straight division games to finish. The beginning of the season, if you remember, started with that trip to Jacksonville, Jacksonville. and then back to back division games yeah. after that. But what I will say is that when you look at it, you look back to 2016, the Packers, they won the game in Jacksonville. They split those first two division games, so they were 2-1 and one out of the gate. And then obviously the three at the end were part of the run the table as the Packers made that run into the playoffs. Really winning those division games that year is what allowed the Packers to survive a, a pretty bad midseason slump when they lost four straight games right. through late October and, and into, into mid-November. If you can win your division games in this league, Wes, it gives you at least a little bit more wiggle room, a little bit more of a buffer zone. And I just think the you know those two at the beginning and the three at the end are really the, the games that could define this season for Green Bay. Well, I'm glad it's only episode two back from the hiatus, <laughs> but I'm able to say the Mike Spofford let's be real moment of the week. <laughs> it, it's so true, though, Mike. Yeah. Uh, when you get three games to close the season against the division, you were the first one to point it out to me when the schedule came out. It immediately makes you think back to 2016 and how yep. that run, as incredible as it was, it doesn't reach its fulfilled stage unless they get those three division games to, to sneak into the playoffs and then keep the magic going once they got there. So right. that is something that definitely sticks out to me. But it also is going to be tough. Week 16, you're going into U.S. Bank Stadium. The following week, you have to go into Ford Field. They'll have now closed the regular season at Ford Field in three of the last four seasons. So that's no easy task. But 
getting the Chicago Bears in Green Bay in December is always a positive thing. And, you know, quite honestly, if you're going to play at Soldier Field, you might as well do it in week one. So, I mean, you're able to get that one out, and if you win that game, you set the tone for the season. Yeah, you had mentioned the five of the first seven being at home. You look at it, it's actually five out of six home games after the road opener at Chicago in that Thursday night kickoff game. This is, uh, and I mentioned this in, in my story on our website on Wednesday night, this is something that just screams opportunity for a first-year head coach to right. have a whole run of home games early in the season to, to get things off on the right foot, to get whatever continuity and flow that you need to your offense, your new system with your two-time MVP quarterback, all of that. The beginning of this sets up, I don't, I, and I'm not saying the opponents don't matter, but I'm not even looking at the right. opponents necessarily in those five games. Five home games in a span of six weeks before Halloween, that's when you've got to make some hay, right? Exactly. And I mean, things are going to change. Players are going to get hurt. Rosters are going to look different. But the thing is, is that you don't take away the home game from that equation. And you can't, under, you can't understate how important overstate how important that is right. to be able to have that kind of opportunity. And to be quite honest with you, Mike, not that any road game is easy, but if you look at Soldier Field and AT&T Stadium, those aren't the most daunting stadiums that Aaron Rodgers has ever walked into. Sure, He's had his share of success in those locations as well. No question. So while, yeah, that's going to be a challenge going into U.S. Bank, it always has been a challenge going into Ford Field. The Packers actually have some pretty good – you know, fertile ground to build this season upon. So uh, the biggest thing that I'm looking forward to is you get the Thursday night game out of the way right away. That's week four against Philadelphia. You get it at home. Uh, You obviously are going to get that little bit of a mini break after the first game against the Bears. You do need to win these games. If you you start slow, your your schedule starts to look kind of daunting. Yeah, it does. But that being said is if you can start fast – it really sets up the season nicely with the week 11 bye week, you know, being able to kind of, you know, have some more balance to it than they have in previous years. Yeah, and I want to get to that uh, that back half of the schedule in a minute here, Wes, but before I forget, the powerful noise-canceling technology that helps NFL coaches block out 80,000 screaming fans can get you closer to the music you love. Learn more at www.bose.com slash Packers, Bose, the official headphones of the Green Bay Packers, and at Homer here in the stands, we all know that Green Bay fans give it their all, and that takes a lot of energy, so grab a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. It's meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Packers fans everywhere. Try the delicious classic chicken noodle soup. Just visit your local supermarket and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup, official soup partner of the Green Bay Packers. Okay, looking at the back half of the schedule, after you have that run of five home games in six weeks, you're getting close to Halloween, you look at you look at the back half. There are actually three different back-to-back road game stretches. Now, the right. first one of those is awfully daunting to go back-to-back at Kansas City and at Los Angeles, the Chargers. Those are the two teams that the New England Patriots beat in the playoffs back-to-back to get back to the Super Bowl. Correct. Those were two of the last four teams standing in the AFC last year. To play them on the road back-to-back, you're talking about a matchup of two MVPs, Rodgers and Mahomes, 
And then two quarterbacks who are headed to the Hall of Fame, in my opinion, and Rodgers and Phillip Rivers. That's going to be a really, really interesting uh, one-two punch, so to speak, as far as back-to-back road games. Well, the the Kansas City game, certainly, I, I really like it from the standpoint of we heard Aaron Rodgers talk late last season. He wasn't trying to compare himself to, to Patrick Mahomes at all, but he said... You know, he sees a lot of his game in Mahomes. And to be honest with you, I think that's the type of game that a lot of quarterbacks now this next generation are really going to have to adapt to. Being able to create, being able to audible, being able to use your feet, having a magnificent arm. He Throwing has from all. all these different angle, you know, arm Absolutely. angles and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Throwing with his left hand when he needs to. I mean, <laughs> that's true. there's just so many different uh, things that play into making him an MVP quarterback. So to see that first encounter, it made perfect sense to throw it in Sunday night football. It will be a challenging game, but there are some questions with Kansas City. What is their defense going to look like? They've had a lot of changes on that side of the ball. L.A. is going to be just a really unique experience because they're going to be playing in a 27,000-seat soccer stadium. Um, You and I still haven't been able to do the research on this. You estimated it might have been the Snow Bowl the last time the Packers have played in front of fewer than 30,000 people. Yeah, that. uh, and for those not sure what I'm referring to there, that's the uh, the Steve Young Tampa Bay Buccaneers game at Lambeau Field. I believe it was 1985 was was the year of it. And I think the announced attendance for that game was somewhere in the 20,000 range. And there may have only been, you know, seven to 9,000 people who actually came to Lambeau Field that day. But, uh, but yeah, I, I can't, It really will be interesting doing the research on that to see how long it's been since the Packers played in front of such a small crowd. Yeah, and it's going to be a cool experience, but you also would anticipate with us going to, you know, last year you and I traveling out to uh, L.A. for that game against with the Packers and, and the Rams. We said it all along going into that thing yeah. that, yeah, that's going to probably be a pretty favorable Packer crowd. And I think it still exceeded my expectations. It did. It 80, did. 90,000 people in there. And there was quite a few times where Jared Goff had to go to a silent count. So Phillip Rivers, we know the challenges that the Chargers have had building their fan base now in L.A. It's going to be uh, – it, both of them are incredibly difficult matchups. I don't want to undersell that. Yeah. But there are opportunities there. And if you get through that run of three straight AFC opponents, you know, the things start to line up a little better for you. Yeah, you're talking Arrowhead Stadium on a Sunday night and then uh, potentially a lot of Packers fans trying to pack that uh, that soccer stadium. Dignity Health in LA. Systems Park, Park or something. Yeah, yeah. You're yeah. talking about two two really really interesting atmospheres very right. different in their own right but but really interesting road atmospheres and then the other part of this too Wes is that obviously with all the home games early in the season you're going to have to deal with a lot of road trips on the back end now the Kansas City Los Angeles back-to-back starts a stretch of the Packers playing four of five games on the road they also have another back-to-back road swing to San Francisco and to New York to play the Giants But what actually helps the Packers this year, which they didn't get last year when they had to play four road games in a span of five weeks, which is really when the season kind of unraveled, is that the Packers' bye week is in the middle of that. So even though it's four road games in a span of five games, it's over a span of six weeks because you're going to have a week off in there as well. I think that is going to help the Packers navigate through this really tough stretch of road games with just the one home game over a, over a long span. I think you counted 56 days right. that the Packers are only going to have one home game. But having the bye week mixed in there is going to be a big assist. Still better than what Tampa Bay has. Did you see that run they have? No. Uh, seven weeks, uh, they will not be playing in, at home at all. 
the, their one home game is the London is game. Is the London game? Oh, and then wow. They, I think they also have a bye week mix in there, too. But then they're, they're playing like six or seven on the road. It's a crazy schedule. But okay. in regards to the Packers, you know, the other thing that worked out well, I mean, it's the first time they've caught the week 11 bye since the NFL started doing that in 2011. But more importantly, it comes after a noon game against Carolina. Now, we'll have to see exactly how Matt LaFleur wants to handle that bye week, but that is a picture-perfect opportunity for players that are healthy to pack their bags and head home for a week. Yeah. Immediately after that, you don't have a long trip coming back. You're not coming back from London or anything like that. You play the noon game, you're done by three. You know, you have some time to rest and recuperate. A perfect timing if you're going to have a stretch like that where you only have one home game to be able to have a noon game as it's scheduled right now and then right on the back end of that have the bye. Yeah, a chance to get out of Dodge and put your feet up for a few days and, and get ready for what the Packers are hoping is going to be a, a stretch run of their final six games. And then you look at the other back-to-back road game the third one of the group is the week 16 week 17 and actually only six days apart with being at minnesota in week week 16 on a monday night and then turning around and going to detroit for week 17 uh for the regular season finale that's a really interesting back-to-back you're talking about a cold weather team like the packers finishing this finishing the regular season with back-to-back road games now that will be coming off of Uh, Meeting number 200 historically between the Packers and the Bears, which will be at Lambeau Field week 15, mid-December. I think that's one to really look forward to. But finishing back-to-back in December in domes, you know, kind of a unique situation as well. So I was sitting at my house after I got done Wednesday night. I'm I'm enjoying a a nice sparkling water. (laughs) And I was thinking to myself, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. If you're the Green Bay Packers, would you rather have to go to Minnesota in week 16 or go in week two and go back-to-back on the road in the NFC North to start the season, but then have the Vikings at Lambeau Field in week 16. Which one do you think would have been better? I guess for me, my immediate reaction is always to have those indoor teams come outdoors yeah. in December. I think I, I think the, so. That would have been worth it to you. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it would have been. It would have been to me. But uh, but yeah, to think about going at Chicago and at Minnesota out of the gate, one two, tough. your two two big division rivals like that, that would have been an awfully awfully daunting start. I think it falls somewhere in between yeah. because the worst scenario would have been having to go to Minnesota in Week 17. Let's say that game gets flexed, that fan base is going to be eccentric. Well, at least in this case, you get them in Week 16. You need to take care of business. You need to get a win there. They haven't gotten enough of those in Minnesota lately. But then if things go well, okay, we'll see what the Lions look like in 2019, but they've had success there. They've been in that situation before, having to win to get in in 2016 there. So at least you, a lot of those veteran players on that roster, they'll have that experience to go back off of. Yeah, that's one of the other things that's interesting about this when you look at the road trips. The Packers are going to Dallas. Uh, they won Super Bowl 45 in that building. Matt Flynn had the big comeback yeah. in 2013. They had uh, the divisional playoff victory down to the wire to beat the Cowboys in the in the 2016 NFC playoffs, and then 2017 Rodgers has the comeback, the the final drive to complete the comeback at the end. That's one of those where the Cowboys are going to be looking at the Packers coming in and saying, "All right, enough of this. You know, right. it, it's time to 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 you know stop the Packers from winning." in our house here. But then the flip side of it is the Packers are heading to U.S. Bank at the end of the season for what could be a really, really big game with a lot of implications and a building where the first three times the Packers have gone there, it has not gone well at all. Three losses, obviously an injury to Rodgers in that building a couple of years ago. So 
you know, from that standpoint, there's a couple of uh, narratives to these road games on the schedule that will be uh, that will be kind of fun to talk about when the time comes. And not to make light of anything, but I, I also go back to 2017 and, and that Rodgers injury, and everyone thinks so much about Rodgers, and rightfully so, but it was almost just a comedy act after a while. I remember them talking about what the training room looked like because I believe, you know, Quentin Rollins left that game. I think Lane Taylor might have left that game. Yeah, it, was, it just was one guy after another like there afterwards. So, yeah, I, I, the Packers historically, I go back to my first few years on the beat. Yeah, they had a rough outing in 2012, but for the most part, you know, they had, they did find ways to have success in the Metrodome. They're trying to find a way now to be able to build that mo- that momentum in the new location. The biggest thing, though, Mike, no matter how you cut it down, no matter how you slice it, you and I can talk right until we run out of oxygen in this room. (laughs) But the biggest key for the Packers is they have to win on the road. We know the story in 2018. They win all that time. They finally ended up beating the Jets, but they had to come back to do it. That's why I've said repeatedly this offseason, since the Packers found out that they're going to open in Chicago, there's no better way to just cleanse yourself of all of that than to come out beat the defending NFC North champion, and start to turn around your fortunes. Yeah, I totally agree with you. One last thing before we wrap up here, Wes. Okay, we've talked about the division games, the Pat Mahomes games, the soccer stadium game, and all that. Okay, what of these games that we haven't necessarily spent a lot of time on is, in your mind, sort of the the sleeper game, the one to the one that that maybe is going to have some bigger implications yeah. when it rolls around than maybe we think right now. We'll see about the implications because uh, we don't know what the 49ers are going to look like this year. But I, I really think the Packers traveling there, Kyle Shanahan taking on his former protege in Matt Lafleur. Yeah, uh, Matt Lafleur will be matching wits with his one of his best friends, uh, not in this business, in this world, in Robert Sal who is the defensive coordinator for the 49ers. He'll be making his calls. LaFleur will be making his calls. Sal is the guy that got him in the door with Gary Kubiak. On yeah, with Houston, the Houston Texans, Texans, Texans that's right. So th- to me, I mean, yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo, Aaron Rodgers, great. You know, the, A matchup and, that we missed last year we because did. Garoppolo was injured and that Monday night game at Lambeau Field was C.J. Beathard yeah. instead. So, so, yeah. and, and then the other thing, uh, the, you know, Aaron Rodgers has played historically pretty darn well in the San Francisco area when he's you know kind of by his hometown, had a pretty solid game, uh, whatever it was, three, four years ago now. Um, I, I just think there's a lot of layers to that matchup, and we'll see what the records are at that point. San Francisco, you really don't know what to expect after the year that they had, but uh Kyle Shanahan and Matt LaFleur are close. I think out of all the coaches that you talk to uh, and all the people that have said nice words about LaFleur, Shanahan's the one that is sort of that he's been most in lockstep with the entire time, and it'll be a good matchup. Yeah, the one I'm going to say is the Carolina game in Week 10 at home at Lambeau Field, and there's a few reasons for that. One, it's the one home game that's in the midst of all those road games and the bye week and everything we talked about before. Number two, it's not every day that you get a quarterback matchup of two guys who have won MVPs in this league. So to see Aaron Rodgers against Cam Newton, I think that's a, that's a marquee matchup in and of itself. But the third thing, the Carolina Panthers are in this pattern, Wes, of every other year they're like really darn good. And it's always the odd-numbered years, it seems, yeah. uh, with Ron Rivera and that Carolina team. In 2015, they went to the Super Bowl. Then they kind of fall off. They come back in 2017. It's 2019. The Panthers are coming off of a, a non-playoff season, 
And uh, if they follow their usual pattern, this is a Carolina team that I think is expecting in a very tough division right. with the Saints and the Falcons and all of that in the NFC South. But the Carolina Panthers are expecting to be right back in the mix. And if Cam Newton is healthy, there's no reason he can't return to his MVP form either. The biggest trend, the biggest tie-in, the biggest parallel between when the Panthers have had their successful years and when they haven't, other than the odd number years, yeah. is Cam Newton. Right. That's the constant. What Cam Newton are you going to get in a given year? I still say even you know as he's getting a little bit older, when he's on, when the accuracy is there, there there's few better in the game than Cam Newton. The Packers have seen it several he's, times. He's a tough customer. But at the same time, when he's not been healthy, when they've had issues with the accuracy, it's a different ball game. Things look a little bit differently. That matchup, how they defend Christian McCaffrey. And, and the other thing is, too, Mike, let's be honest, both of these teams had higher expectations for last year than how things ultimately unfolded. Both of these teams want to turn things around. That midseason checkpoint here at Lambeau Field is going to be a big barometer as to figuring out exactly the direction that those those seasons are going for those two teams. Yeah, one to keep an eye out for, for sure. Well, with that, um, I'll just throw out there that uh, starting next week, We'll uh, have another show earlier in the week. We're going to try to take a big overview of just where the Packers are heading into this draft position by position. We have a, a roster series that's being published on our website now every day, taking a look at the roster position by position. So check that out and come back and check us out next week talking about it. Um, but for now, we'll call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Like us there as well if you don't mind. Follow him on Twitter at Wes Hot. I'm at Mike Spofford at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time. <laughs>